Knock, knock, guess who is knocking at your door? That's right, you know it's the morning for sure. Might be a geoff, it could be, maybe it's Mitt Romney. Merry Christmas, everyone. From This Week in Mormons, we're happy you're all here to join us for another week of delightful comedy, insight, and who knows what. The beauty about this show is while we plan the things we talk about as far as the news stories, we don't know where the discussion is going to take us. Every week is a surprise. You, you always have to be here because you never know what might happen. You never know what tangents we might get on that have nothing to do with the news. Who knows? I might tell you about food I'm eating. Who's to say? My name is Jeff Openshaw. I am the founder of the show and your co-host. But I'm joined this week by the, the truly unparalleled talent that is Josie Cleave. That's quite an intro. Thank you. Just, I also... setting, you, just setting you up. I love the description of this show has like the elevator pitch has become we're basically a carnival grab bag. Come and get us. Like No, no, <laughs> so no. no. Okay, hold get. on. It's not it's not that it's, it's a carnival grab bag. It's, it's that much we, what we it kn- is. It's the excitement of knowing we know what issues are out there this week that we will discuss. But we don't know exactly where it's going to go. This is unscripted in that sense. We're not just reading our notes to people. We're having a conversation. Conversations are unpredictable, Josie. It sounds like a grab bag. I'm saying there's basically the same principle as the grab bag. Do you still want to host this show? Or are you interested in remaining a part of this production? I think you, you need, sound dissatisfied. You need me. You need me. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Josie's doing some hardball tactics to increase her salary, everybody. This is a wage battle. Fair enough. As usual, that's all I'm here for. Usually negotiating. We will renew your contract on your terms. Fair enough. Fair I appreciate enough. that. We're, we're not union, though. Don't worry. No benefits. We should start the twim you. No benefits. <sighs> Glad you're all here. Josie, what's going on with your life? How's uh, how's the great Singapore treating everyone? Singapore is lovely. We had um, President Nelson come to visit at the end of last month, and that was right, a yeah. big to-do. Um, Did you everyone... shake his hand? I wasn't here. I'm the worst person ever that is just never in the right place at the right time. I was in Australia, and... Um, <sighs> Yeah, so I totally, I totally missed that one. But it was at our stake center, and um, I loved seeing some of like the videos and some of the photos that have come out from it because it's like some families from our ward and this particularly really cute picture of President Nelson cuddling um, one of the little toddlers named Tate in our ward, um, and Tate's just like the greatest personality ever. So um, that makes us laugh. So. But yeah, everyone has said that, um, or I had one friend who kind of said that, you know, when he's walking around, there's lots of people around kind of like trying to make sure that, you know, he doesn't fall over and sort of help this kind of frail, like 95-year-old man walk around and greet and like talk to um, the members. But then, you know, totally different persona the moment that he gets up to speak and um, a very inspirational kind of feeling. So... They were good things. And um, yeah, other than that, Singapore is, I mean, it's great. It's 
as we were discussing before we started recording, it's about the same temperature, same time, almost every day of the year. So, like, not much changes. <laughs> not even the weather. Is it difficult to feel Christmas cheer uh, when you're out there? Maybe. But also, maybe this is just, like, a thing as you become more of an adult and, like, if you don't have kids, then, like, you don't have as much of, like... Um, that like childish excitement, you have to basically create that yourself. And um, so that maybe is just more of like a natural kind of change and a bit of a challenge is, you know, now you're the one who uh -huh. has to go out and like find the Christmas lights or um, I don't have a Christmas tree, those sorts of things. And do I want to like sweat while I'm trying to sip, you know, cinnamon flavored hot chocolate or something like maybe not so they're just you just look for different things to do and look for other kids who are maybe thrilled about christmas and like kind of glom off of their festive joy yeah. but well and, have, and then having lived in australia for so long you're no stranger to uh warm christmases yeah but it's always still a little a bit strange you know the idea yeah. of going to the beach on christmas and like it's fun uh but it's just a slightly different feeling that's all um so Makes i don't sense. know if i've quite figured that one out yet but um how is how is it for you like i imagine what you've got two little kids that like everything christmasy must just be the bee's knees to them they're very excited the two-year-old is being taught how not to remove ornaments from the tree oh how's that and going throw and throw them around the house uh, it's going and okay. throw them around the house? He doesn't internalize lessons this. as well as his older brother did, just in, in just random things. Like, yeah. he, there's so many things he keeps repeating. And I'm like, dude, we've told you so many times, cut this out. His older brother would get the message after a while. But uh, it's fun. Yeah, we got the tree set up. It's lovely here. We went home for Thanksgiving instead of Christmas this year. So we had a wonderful time in California Always great to be home. I had a great time. I went, but we had Thanksgiving at my aunt and uncle's house. I hadn't been there probably in nine or 10 years because I've been out in DC for a while. And so that was great. Got to see a lot of my extended family. Um, and, and, you know, for listeners, no, I'm like, I'm from Orange County, California, like just outside of LA. My wife is from San Diego. So we always split time here and there and do different things. But I'm very fortunate in that I don't have to travel all over the place to see in-laws and things. Everyone's just kind of concentrated in Southern California. Yeah, and that's actually quite kids. nice. It's pretty nice. I mean, it does mean that every time we travel, we are driving around a lot. Like we we stay, sure. we usually split up our time in different families' homes. So we never just show up and are like, here we are. This is the place where we're staying for the time we're in this place. It's always, all right, we'll do four days here and then we'll get pack up the car and we'll drive up to Orange County and we'll hang out up there for so many days and we'll cut and... It's a, nothing to complain about, but it involves a little bit more logistics. Either way, sure. great blessings. Wonderful to see everyone. California was delightful. They actually had a lot of rain, but when it cleared out, one of my favorite things in Southern California is when you get great rainstorms in the winter and then the sky clears and you go up on top of a hill and the mountains are coated with snow. And there's very tall mountains around Los Angeles. The snow level dropped down to like 4,000 feet or something like that. So I have pictures of the foothills and then immediately behind them, you don't even see, you just see white. The snow level was so low that from a certain perspective, all you see is just white capped mountains. Oh, wow. You don't even see the caps, basically. You just saw white mountains surrounding the valleys and stuff. So that's very beautiful. It's always a fun thing to see. I don't usually get to see that very often. 
Because out here in D.C., the snow is just kind of, you know, sleety, wet. A little snow. slushy. A little slushy a lot of the time. Not as fun. Anyway, it's been good. We're back here. And I'm I'm on week seven of what was supposed to be a three-week basement renovation. Oh, So boy. at the risk of being sued for, you know, libel or something, I will just say I don't know if I'll be employing my contractor for other jobs in the future. I was going to say, this isn't a DIY job, is it? Because then you have no one to complain about but yourself. Well, if it was DIY, it would take a lot longer, but I'd also be completely satisfied with whatever progress I would have made because it would be me. Yeah, you would have been posting about that, I feel like, every week on Facebook about like, look, I painted a corner or something. I I would, but I only have so much bandwidth between posting about impeachment. I mean, what else would I share? It's true. You have too much much energy to spend on that one. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> Anywho, um, last you... night mm-hmm. was the First Presidency Christmas devotional. I don't know if, uh, did you happen to view it yet? It's hard from across the world. Why are you putting me on the spot about this? I've already told you I didn't, but... <laughs> because our listeners don't know. I'm not going to say, hey, oh, okay. Josie didn't watch it. She no, sucks. No, it didn't. I haven't watched All it right. yet. No, it was during the time pretty much that like I was actually at church, so... That's what um, I'm saying. It's oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, my gosh. No, it was the day after. It was It was a work day. That's my excuse. Well, it was like 7, it was 7 a.m. for you. Yeah, on a Monday. On Monday, yeah. Yeah, not church so time. That's understandable. Bad. Don't um, feel bad about it. When I was on my mission, general conference viewing times were all goofy. You just took what you could get. You know, it was okay. So did you watch it? I watched it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I got a little dozy during President Oak's talk, so I'm not as strong on what he uh, spoke about. Elder okay. Kieran, I always enjoy Elder Kieran. I feel like he's being groomed. I know we don't groom people in terms of church leadership, but at the same time, the man's in the presidency of the 70. He's been doing more prominent things. He seems like a Rasband heir apparent type to me. Gotcha. Well, I think when we have another opening, he's officially shortlisted. And it's been a while since we've had a British apostle. So, hmm. Well, I can cover you on the President Oaks talk a little bit just because I at least read up on how um, or what some of the talks were about. And there was just a good little quote that I thought um, he had said, which was that the Savior and his apostles had no program for world peace other than individual righteousness, um, which I thought was kind of just an interesting thing, a little tidbit and also a refocus on ourselves it has a bit of that whole like michael jackson like man in the mirror kind of vibe to it anyways that's what i took from it and i appreciated that um um but also yeah interesting that like obviously the church has more influence and things that they're trying to bring about world peace in other ways but yeah just that i like our back to basics sort of approach of like let's be good people guys and let's start with that a good reminder. Yeah. Uh, Elder Suarez's talk was a, he spoke about basically the rough uh, winter that his family spent in Utah. He moved his family there in 2003. He's a native of Brazil. And of course, he talked about like where I'm from, like it's Christmas time. It's like palm trees, you know, Brazil. And uh, he's, they were living in Bountiful. I don't know if he moved in 2003 because he joined the 70 at the time, I would guess. But um, he tells this whole story about how there's a crazy snowstorm. They don't know what to do. He said his wife went out there with the snow blower, but didn't turn the blower the right direction. So she blew it all one way and then went back and then wound up blowing the other side back to where she was in the first place. And she just kept going back and forth 
just re-blowing the snow. This would be me in the snow. I would be so useless. Oh, my gosh. But his wife was out there for so long that she got a double ear infection and was deaf for two months. Oh, my gosh. their Their son injured his back when he was sledding. And he slipped on ice, walked into his neighbor's house, and broke his wrist. And no! Surgery. Straight out of a sitcom here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but then he used that to pivot to talk about, like, the wonderful angels around him. There was a 70-year-old neighbor of his, and one day he sees outside, and this man's just out there, like, cleaning up their, all the snow off of their walkway and their driveway just for no reason. You know, and the value of community and being good shepherds and looking out for the one and caring for each other, which is always a good Christmas message. But he talked a lot about serving others. I mean, a good pull quote, you know, he said, as we serve others, Christmas won't be just a day or a season, but it will be a condition of heart and mind. Lovely. Sorry, everybody, if you can hear thumping above me, that is my children apparently crying. So something happened. Anyway, don't have boys in close succession. It destroys your whole house or do it sounds like fun over there it is pretty fun (laughs) uh and joy d jones who is the primary general president also spoke uh to all of us about ways we can be more wunderbar or is it here at the end of course she gets she was the first speaker uh, but she she actually spoke a lot about you know i loved her little anecdote about how her mom found her snooping around for gifts and then essentially all of the the great traditions she had as a family and how, um, who was it? Was it her daughter who said that Jesus is the gift that never stops giving? Like someone asked a kid in a store, like, what's the gift that never stops? Oh, it's a sign that said, get the gift that doesn't stop giving. And this little girl said, oh, Jesus, good. That's good. That's good parenting, folks. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, so speaking of Christmas stuff, BYU right. TV um, snagged a cool little contract with or i guess not a contract a, a an appearance by john legend at their oh what is this show called christmas under the stars which apparently they hold every year i loved this little throwback where they're like previous guests have been like amy grant and i'm like woof that takes me back um but this whole <laughs> this whole deseret news article is basically a long-winded like Oh, BYU TV was trying really hard to get John Legend, but he was so busy. And also, he's like an actual celebrity. So it was kind of a long shot, which I also feel like is a bit of a dig at BYU TV. But somehow... Um, okay, we got to read the real quote about that. I need to I find mean, that so that you're not just interpreting it as you will. No, no. It goes on and on. And anyways... <laughs> it goes on. The, <laughs> and on. And on. Um, the long story short of it was that they had a couple of connections from other people who had been on BYU TV that somehow... Not Chrissy Teigen, though, who was born in Utah. Who's from that Delta, was, Utah. That was also thrown in there. Anyway, somehow, but not from her, they were able to get him on the show. And I'm like, obviously, you pay him a salary and he comes on the show. It's not that hard. But um, so hopefully some people got to see that. Uh, well, has it aired? Is it? Uh, I don't know if it's aired yet. They filmed it oh, okay. back in September. Oh, they film these things well in advance, you know. Well, he's in a nice-looking red suit. I'd watch this. He's John Legend. Yeah. You want to learn some great John Legend trivia? So John Legend had a supporting role in the movie so, La La Land, yes. which I hope you've seen. 
I love um, that show. John Legend, despite being a noted you know musician and singer, did not know how to play guitar. He had to learn how to play guitar for La La Land, which is just something you would think someone with his experience, of course, on piano is his main instrument. Yeah, he's usually on piano. You would think he just like had picked up even basic rhythm guitar at some point in his life. I'm not knocking him. I just thought that was yes, fascinating trivia that he had to learn. No, I thought it was interesting. Like he had to learn how to play guitar. That man is like a pianist to the core. Yeah, no, that's so that's fair. fun. These these concerts are dynamite. I went to the uh, recording for the Gladys Knight and Smokey Robinson one a couple of years ago. They filmed it here in D.C. at the historic uh, Howard Theater. Oh, it's yeah, like not, a traveling no, no, the, show. It was at the Lincoln, the Lincoln Theater. I don't think it's always a traveling show. In this case, because John Legend did the concert at the Church's Studios in Provo. But in yeah. my case, yes, I got to go to a sweet gig. You're trying to tell me Gladys Knight's not a legit celebrity? You think John Legend is the only legit celebrity? Joke? No, not legit. I'm just saying Gladys there's sort of hardcore. like a list of like fun celebrities. And then there's sort of like, but we never thought we'd get John Legend. That's all. It's just... Yeah. They're excited for the they're, crossover. They're geeking out a little bit over that one. Well, here's one thing I learned. If any of you happen to listen to last week's show when I interviewed um, Lisa Valentine Clark and Haley Jones Smith from Show Offs, the BYU TV improv program, that was a fascinating discussion. But one thing they sort of dropped in there is that they did a Christmas episode of Show Offs and they got Will Forte, the, fam- yeah. the famous comedian, comedian, Saturday Night Live alum. He was on The Last Man on Earth. Will Forte is not typically, he's a big name star he's also not known as a clean comedian and so i kind of asked him like how do you get someone like will forte to be on on a byu tv improv show and they said honestly people are just frantically on the phones calling in any random favor they can because some people show up and they just say what who who they're performers like who am i doing this for what is this program yeah and they're just there to get the job done so maybe john legend just said yeah it's like you said it's a gig Nah, I reckon he and Chrissy were having a little giggle. Like, the Mormons want us to come and sing. So, oh. that's all. I hope so anyways. Um, we can only we can, we can can only pray. Here, I got another quick, somewhat Christmassy one. Or at Hit least me. it seems relatable because it's about sugar. So, apparently, Jeff, Mormons are sugar addicts. Who no knew? way. This is, oh dear. Who wrote this one? Uh, I want to oh, take okay. the photo for the he- the photo illustration. Oh, the photo is like, yeah, it's the worst. There's a, there's a CTR ring. So they legit, somebody made donut shackles and put them on with a ring pop and took a picture of it. This would, this with was a, a ring pop. Photo. The chain, the chain looks like Twizzlers. Oh, good, good inside. The chain does appear. Yeah. Good. I don't know. Someone had a good time with that. But the whole thing is all about like how we don't have coffee and tea and we don't drink alcohol that obviously we've replaced it with something else. Sugar. Yes. I've been saying this for years and no one's listened to me, Josie. No, I would agree it's on that. It's been my novel I've, observation. Every word of wisdom lesson, I like to try and bring up the whole nutrition side of things and I get bowled over Absolutely every single Do time. you actually get bowled over? Because that's a fair yeah. point to bring yeah, up. Yeah, it, yeah. The word of no, wisdom doesn't stress like, the importance of one over the other. Yeah, no, it's always been like, that is an interesting point. But the main focus here is that we don't smoke. And I'm like, it's not really. <laughs> like, that's one aspect but, of it. But That's really interesting that's happened to you. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, it's not written in there that says, put greater emphasis on avoiding the tobacco and the coffee. Yeah, it's just easier to no, avoid things than to be proactive. I mean, I even the Temple Recommend question just says, do you keep the word of wisdom? It doesn't yeah. weight 
which parts of that that means. Yeah. Well, I guess I, in, a, in a way, I'm okay with that being kind of open to interpretation because the last thing we need is like literally a food pyramid of you can't get into the temple if you haven't had like five vegetables a day for like the past six weeks We'd or something. We'd be so healthy though. And they'd have to we would the be. Vernal, but. I mean, I don't know. Or you could just have a lot of people eating like carrot sticks and ranch, which I don't think is going to solve the problem. So um, we can only hope. There, <laughs> you can only hope. But um, yeah, I don't know if there's, there's probably not really much that's new in here. I think everyone kind of knows that every church activity that you seem to go to, there's cookies or there's something. Um, and I can attest to this even relatively internationally that this has been something that has spread that, like, I think food culture is one thing and that's great. Like, we like to feed people. Cool. But maybe it doesn't always have to be donut shackles with Twizzlers and ring pops. That's all. Now, real over, quick though, over and you, out. You, you alluded to something there. <laughs> Given your international experience, do you feel that that what is essentially a, a bad nutrition Americanized interpretation of word of wisdom obedience has effectively exported abroad? In your experience, it's just the same thing. Everyone's just piling on the sweets. I mean, I would say in general, bad American nutrition has already been exported to the rest yeah. of the world. Right, um, right, so right. that's not necessarily new, but. Um, will bring different things, but there's still like an emphasis on like you come and you gather and you can have food. So there's that side of it. I'm actually trying to remember in France. I don't think it was as big of a thing in France. Um, That's because the French also, up. Well, but also my French wasn't that great. So I probably just like missed if ever I was supposed to bring food to something. But I don't remember – like there weren't necessarily linger longers, whereas in Singapore, we still have linger longers once a month. Um, but it's not an entire spread of just like cakes and donuts. Um, so maybe there's a slightly better balance here. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, the most disappointing thing, though, is when you have a ward activity and nobody even takes the time to make creative and interesting homemade desserts. Everyone just swings, swings by the grocery store and buys some loft house cookies and said, let's party, everybody. That's the- like, why are we phoning this in? As long as we're not going to care and we're all going to aim for diabetes, let's at least make it count, people. <laughs> Come on. Oh, dear. I also appreciate, though, in this article that the author, Marinda Risk, which is a great name. She's destined to be a newscaster, I think. Hello, this is Marinda Risk. Um, They had to, we all like know this, as we say, but you've got to back this up with some kind of research. You need an authority figure to confirm your beliefs. That way it's it's validated. So she spoke with Benjamin Bickman, a, a physiology and developmental biology professor at BYU. And he had some some very interesting insights. Okay. Tell me, tell me. Because he has closely studied the impact of obesity, diabetes, and insulin on metabolic health. He says that sugar is harmful and consumption of it should be controlled and regulated. Wow, thank you for that, Professor Bickman. My life has changed. Oh my goodness. But he does say he cringes when he sees people lined up at the drive-thru of the popular soda shops, like Swig and So Delicious and all that. He's cringing inside. Because he knows how much impact that'll have on their bodies. Which is 
dear. Okay, actually, admittedly, Singapore has what has been, I think, figured out to be the most sugary and, like, worst drink that you could have possible, which is, like, we have lots of boba or, like, bubble tea, but they've created, like, basically a brown sugar bubble tea, which is, no joke, just, like, a couple scoops of brown sugar in the milk tea with some of the tapioca balls. And it's apparently way worse than, um, not just sugar, sorry, way worse than soda. So there you go. I imagine it. The terrifying thing with soda, I mean, I like, I enjoy soda more than I should. And when you actually see how many, how many grams of sugar are in a can of soda, it's terrifying. It truly is. And yet here I am. It's hard to visualize. Well, there we go. Everyone well, good likes job, the Mose. cookie every now and again. I'm not saying that there's any problem with that, but mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, there we go. I like that that was a Christmas-related one. I guess it was the sweets. That's also, exactly though, what it was. <laughs> also, though, we have a VIP guest list. This past weekend, they turned on the temple lights at the D.C. Temple, my local temple. Uh, of course, the temple itself is under renovation right now, but the grounds are still open. They're still doing the Festival of Lights. At the DC Temple, which it doesn't rival the Salt Lake, you know, Temple Square or anything, of course, in terms of size and the number of trees. But they put up a great display. There's a, a nativity they set up, lots of lights everywhere. And because the Washington DC Temple Visitor Center has a large theater in it, there are nightly musical performances of all kinds of different types. It's, it's really great. And there's an entire room where they show international creches. So it's well worth your time if you're in the DC area. You can see all kinds of international nativities. So over the weekend when they set it up, the ambassador from Oman joined Elder Ronald Rasband in illuminating the lights at Temple Square. Of all the the countries, that fascinates me, the ambassador from Oman. Yeah. I love the picture of the two of them. They have this like almost cartoonish like big yellow box with a red button and they're like going to press the button and turn on the lights. But maybe it's sort of the same sort of thing of like giant scissors cutting a ribbon and opening up a new mall or something but yeah yeah and now when they had to spend, th- this is one of the big ticket items in dc uh, as far as dignitaries showing up yeah it looked nice i mean, I mean jw marriott jr and his wife were there they uh, host it don't they i think they host it like every year the marriott's hosted yeah. and then they invite yeah all the people from i don't know dc or who the who's who representative john r curtis of of utah gave the invocation he's the recently elected congressman former mayor of provo and i want to remind all of you he was a democrat once and changed his party affiliation so (laughs) just had to slip that one in there well he took jason chaffetz's seat so i feel like the contrast is worth pointing out sure um romney was uh, there oh of course romney was there yeah Everybody was there. I knew I've talked to some people who actually went out for. Were it you there, Jeff? Were invited. New. No, so not I, everyone was there. I am not a part of this. I am not worthy. But there's the picture we're all waiting to see. Look at that, Elder Rasband, with his wife sitting next to Willard Mitt Romney, Pierre Delecto himself. <laughs> Pierre Delecto. <laughs> in an apostolic pose that I have never, like I have never seen. Do you think <sighs> Mitt Romney is slightly disappointed because he's likely? peaked quote unquote in terms of his church calling possibilities i just want to know if he gets introduced from the pulpit as pierre delecto <laughs> oh my gosh can you imagine I, well or if he's introduced at all that that brings up a whole other set of issues like do you i would recognize? love that i i was in i've told this story before uh when i was in a singles ward in dc our bishop was a former member of congress and one sunday one jason chaffetz 
was in our congregation just sitting there. I think he was just hitting up church before he had to go somewhere else. And my bishop, who was kind of a big tea party type, and Jason Chaffetz is an idiot. And so they, he, he recognized Jason Chaffetz from the stand. And I've never fully decided where I fell on this. Because I was oh, like, I, he's a member of Congress. I get it. But he's not sitting on the stand. He's not a church leader. But you recognize like dignitaries. But he was just a member of Congress. He wasn't, it, was, it wasn't Orrin Hatch. Or Harry Reid. So what did he do? Did he call him out from the pulpit and say like, kind of, oh, and by the way, we also have I think sitting in the congregation. That. Yeah, it was kind of awkward like that. Like it was an out of the way call out to, oh, and, and Congressman Chaffetz is here with us today. Like uh, in a moment when it didn't even make sense. Anyway, yeah, Jason strange. Chaffetz is doing wonderful things at Fox News. So great for all of you who watch that, that terrific fledgling network. Uh, anyway, good event here. I love that it was the ambassador of Oman. Oman, of course, is a overwhelmingly Muslim country, but mm-hmm. a country that stresses that has religious tolerance and uh, tries to be Oman's kind of the Oman's like the chill country in the region. It doesn't have all the glitz of Dubai and all that stuff or of the United Arab Emirates. It's just kind of Oman. It's like Yemen's in civil war. Saudi Arabia's got Wahhabi craziness going on. Oman's just chilling. And it has a unique history all its own. Look up the history of Oman, people. You'll see its history is tied more to East Africa than to its Arabic neighbors. You're welcome. I know you've all stopped listening. If anyone does that. I'm going to look at the stats for this episode, and I imagine right here before the minute 30 mark is when you're going to see things taper off after my bit. So, No, I'm about to do my international news. Oh, good. Save us. Okay, good. All right. So um, a couple of quick mentions. First is that Sister Joy Jones, she's our primary general president for anyone who's perhaps forgotten, um, spoke at the UN um, in Geneva. She was at a UN, uh, sorry, I'm trying to speak here, UNICEF-sponsored event. Um, So Latter-day Saint Charities has apparently partnered with UNICEF for a while, I think, and they were reporting on um, the impact that they've where they've been focusing on the refugee crisis in like South Sudan, Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, and Uganda, and like creating early childhood development programs. So I'm not an expert on early childhood development, but it sounds like they're trying to help um, parents and as well as um, young kids. I think it's up to the age of five with just, you know, the basic like skills and opportunities that they need to like prep them for school so good well done us and doing good things um speaking of um elder rasband he and his wife met with the saints in melbourne he's been busy um he did you there. at least go to this since you were in australia and it's a yeah i was just about to say travel. that uh just goes to show that i'm literally never in the right place at the right time he was there november 19th to the 20th and i literally flew out of melbourne on the 19th um so i missed that and but as it turns out he was uh just speaking with the missionaries um, one of whom happened to be their grandson, which I kind of think, right, no such things as coincidences, huh? So, um, mm-hmm. and in other Australian news, church members in Western Sydney have stockpiled a pantry of food and basic supplies for other like New South Wales farmers who are struggling to make ends meet during the severe droughts. So good on us. We're doing nice service oriented things. Have you seen the poor koalas? So sad. Oh, yes. Every time that there's a fire, we bring out the koala pictures that are like being 
you know, like fed from a little drinking bottle by some um, firefighter who's trying to are burning. It's very keep bad. them keep them hydrated. Um, it's a real thing. Um, and also, there was a church leader who spoke at Jeff. This is a this is a Scottish story, so maybe you know a little bit more about this. But there was a cross party group um, in the Scottish Parliament that was about promoting religious freedom, which, from oh, my understanding, is basically just like some members of parliament and then um, other leaders or experts in whatever topic they're trying to investigate and understand a little bit more. We'll get together. So this one was on um, religious freedom. Brother Watson, who's the director of public affairs in the UK, spoke about the church's early persecution in the US and then um, told a story that I actually wasn't familiar with that um, in 1922, there was like 100 Edinburgh university students who like broke up a small church gathering very proud of the story here there we go anyways they they attacked like two scottish missionaries and tarred and feathered them um not necessarily like as gruesome in the way that we normally think of like joseph smith being tarred and feathered it was more that they sort of like threw this mixture of tar and also included treacle which was an interesting little tidbit there and then was like throwing feathers basically molasses it's molasses yeah so basically they just gathered a mixture of whatever was like sticky and gross and then threw that and the feathers at these missionaries um and he had an interesting um, insight about, or sorry, Brother Watson had some interesting insights, I thought, about how, you know, the enemy to religious freedom is estrangement and alienation. So he had some nice things to say. We can, I don't know, maybe we can link to that if anyone's curious about more of that we, story. And what we always link to, to everything at thisweekinmormons.com. That's what we're here for. Hello, hello. Um, there was a bishop in Vienna who was asked to participate in a Catholic Christmas service. Um, he said no. No, he went. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? He stands for nothing. I thought this was quite cool because it's not like we ever really invite like a Catholic priest or um, a rabbi to like come and speak from our pulpit. But that's basically what he got to do. That's because we're, of- ex- we're extremely protectionist <laughs> within our own <laughs> Well, so maybe yeah. we can go to you, but you can't. <laughs> but you can't come to us. This is not a mutual reciprocal relationship. We yeah, did have clearly. Muslim leaders in our area. We did an interfaith evening once recent, like last yeah, year. Yeah, but so, they're not like Sunday. speaking in from the pulpit on Sunday, are they? Of course not. Islamic yeah. Holy Day is Friday. It would be pointless for them. Come on. They're free on Sunday. Come on, Josie. Pick up the pace. Um, okay. Sorry. My bad. Anyway, so nice little Christmas congregation. I loved this, that they gave a shout out to afterwards. Everyone was able to mingle and converse over sauerkraut and dumplings. So, you know, things got wild. Uh, let's see. Quick one. We have a cultural celebration in Kolkata. And they have um, one there was there. There was another cultural night in Indonesia or in Jakarta that they were celebrating their 50th anniversary of the church in the country, which is can you, cool. Can you believe the church has actually been in Indonesia for 50 years? I mean, it's the same as Singapore. I didn't realize that they were we were both celebrating that this year. So I actually feel a little embarrassed that I only figured out now that it was also their 50th anniversary. Um, but no, it's great. And then last one from me, from the Swedish newsroom, there's an article about why Mormon millennials are still attending the church in comparison to other Christian faiths, which have decreased in attendance across Europe. 
And their theory is that we host young adult conferences like Festinord and that these are becoming more popular in other parts of Europe. And it's perhaps the key to being able to keep people um, interested and engaged with people in their Jeff, you're raising your hand. Go ahead. No, I'm just waiting until you're done. I'm doing oh. I'm doing this the way they do it in Soviet Union. You put oh, okay, my- <laughs> you, you hold you hold a hand underneath your other hand and just hold it up. Oh, back. okay, all right. I thought maybe you were just getting a bit fatigued. Go ahead. No, I was going to say though that Festinord is legit. I never went yeah. to it, but when I lived overseas in the UK, you heard plenty of buzz about this. Kids getting their tickets and everyone flying to Stockholm or wherever they were doing yeah. it for a weekend or Copenhagen or something. Um, so this does not surprise me. And it's good because it's not easy being a YSA in Europe. It's not easy in general, but I yeah. think even more so abroad outside of the US. Well, something that was interesting that I've noticed about wherever Jeremy and I have moved um, and lived, basically one of our callings or assignments has been, we just want you to be around and be an example of how this country still offers something and that like our youth don't need to like move to Utah to still be a member of the church. It gets happened in France. We have almost an identical thing in Singapore as well that we're almost here to, um, yeah, almost like market their country back to the young adults to like, you know, obviously, yes, go off, travel, experience different things, but also just keep in mind that like, the church isn't necessarily better. It's different in Utah, but like all of your problems are not necessarily solved there. But it's it is hard, like when you have grown up in a much smaller um, church community, that you do need, I think, these big conferences um, or events to kind of remind yourself that, like, oh, I'm not actually alone here, and there's mutual and like like minded people that I can become friends with. So it's cool. Yeah. You guys get to do cool stuff. Yeah, we do. We try. All right. Some of the bigger news to come out over the week. So the church clarified that it stands against the Equal Rights Amendment, as it is called. Uh, So a little bit of background for any of you unfamiliar with what all of this means. Uh, By the way, the church issued the statement because there was a rally of about 200 women at the state capitol in Utah, encouraging Utah to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. The way amendments to the U.S. Constitution work is that a certain number of states have to ratify them before they can become law. And the Equal Rights Amendment has been floating around for a long time, the current version from the 70s. But we're actually at kind of a precipice where now only a couple of other states would need to ratify it. And then all of a sudden, it would actually have to like go to the Senate to be finalized. And it, would, it could be an amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. So... This has been an ongoing issue. This was a hot issue, though, in the 70s when it gained a lot of steam, and the church was very against it then. After this rally, um, spokesman Doug Anderson initially told the Salt Lake Tribune in response that at this time, we don't have a statement on the proposed Equal Rights Amendment. And many thought that might be the case because uh, when asked about the Equal Rights Amendment or the ERA earlier in the year when something came up, the church sort of demurred and people wondered if perhaps the church was becoming more neutral on it. But then about an hour later, Doug Anderson sent a statement out that just said the church's position on the issue has been consistent for more than 40 years. So what is the church's position and why does the Equal Rights Amendment even matter? Because on paper, you hear about something like that. It's a, it, The idea is to prohibit discrimination based on sex. That's essentially what the Equal Rights Amendment is, right? And that's how it reads. Um, where is it? I found the full text of it. The full text of it, it was very short. And that 
is essentially why the church has had issue with it for so long, because they believe it is both too vague and too potentially broad in the ways it could be interpreted down the line. Uh, there were, there were, of course, uh, there's a piece here from 1980, but since they said the position hasn't changed for 40 years, and this is on the church's website, uh, we can talk about things, how they worried that the ERA would provide more constitutionally guaranteed access to abortion, for example. Uh, what, would be, what would be the impact of the ERA on homosexual marriages? That one's a little bit different because, uh, you know, gay marriage has been legal for four and a half years now in the United States, but it says under the ERA, states could be forced to legally recognize and protect such marriages. But all it took was a Supreme Court decision for that. But I guess the main difference is a Supreme Court decision can still be overturned, even if it's precedent, that can happen, uh, whereas a constitutional amendment is incredibly difficult to overturn. Uh, so one other issue the church has is they just feel that it's um, basically that the 14th Amendment already provides for these protections, as has been interpreted by the courts for decades and decades and decades. And so why, like, why codify it further for the ladies? <laughs> I mean, the the quote that um, the spokesperson said about, like, it, it almost sounds like they're trying to make this sound like a positive thing, right? Like, our position has not changed in 40 years, when yeah. actually I feel like in reality for this one, uh, it more than anything just shows that... Um, it's maybe a little bit out of touch. Like, oh, maybe we should have developed an opinion that changed on this over these 40 years. Um, there, for there example, are... even just the basic yeah. fact that, like, as you say, like gay marriage, that's actually no longer an issue to really be opposed about because that's not necessarily going to be applicable, I feel like, in this amendment anyways. Um, I don't I don't understand, Jeff, the, the long-lasting opposition to it, but... Also, not a lawyer here, so maybe they, uh, maybe they see something I don't. But to me, it seems pretty straightforward, and I'm not understanding. I think they think it's too broad. There are the some who, who oppose the ERA on the grounds that you know women shouldn't have to even have this legislated. Like, why would you have to denote that women shall have equal rights under the law? Because under the law, they do have equal rights. We know that the reality of it can be a bit different, and that women don't always get fair, you know, equal pay. Equal access, uh, the job market could be more complicated, things like that. Um, I'm going to read to you the full ERA real quick so you can be a judge. This text has not changed. It's very short. Section 1, women shall have equal rights in the United States and every place subject to its jurisdiction. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Section 2, Congress and the several states shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article. Section 3, the amendment shall take effect two years after the date of ratification. That is the entire ERA. Right. So I wonder if maybe just the word equality is what the church maybe takes issue with because well, already that is... it's also just gender is, roles, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, because I think some people, when they hear equality, they think, oh, well, so men and women are supposed to be the same but they're not the same and they're never going to be the same. So I wonder if maybe they feel like, oh, well, that word has become so charged and it has um, a lot of different contexts and interpretations that maybe that's what we're taking issue with. I have no idea. I'm trying to pick at things here, but um, 
I mean, it seems pretty straightforward to me. It is short and sweet. This is much better than like the other bills that we were trying to read earlier and trying to make sense of. <laughs> yeah. A lot of this is about traditional gender roles. Uh, I read some yeah. other analysis from old church publications, th- things that they fear that it would jeopardize the both the husband's role as a provider, but not just yeah. in the terms of like the family proclamation that we have today, but even from a legal perspective, like entering into marriage will not come with the same inherent guarantees as far as men being required to pay child support, um, all kinds of interesting bits. But I agree with you. It, it does seem... I don't know about that. Yeah. Un- I think yeah. it seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I, and I understand that. I think a lot of people feel the same same way. Like, why would you not just codify... Just go that, for it. That, yeah. ...that women are equal. <laughs> and yeah, the funny thing was there was a lot of support for the ERA even bipartisan, but slowly in the 80s with the Reagan revolution and the help of Phyllis Schlafly, the uh, Republican Party sort of moved to end its support for the ERA because traditional gender roles matter. Um, I don't know if the ERA, I, I, I want to live in a world where something like the ERA is not necessary for women to both feel and in all practice be equal. But I do know in practice that they are not completely. And while we've made great strides, I mean, we have, you've had the right to vote for a hundred years in the U.S. Good job. Um, you know, men only had it for a hundred odd years longer than that. <laughs> it's like, but, thank you. I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> no, I, I'm teasing. It would be great if we're in a world where it wasn't even a discussion that we had to have because we were yeah. thinking more proactively about those things. And of course, and the church wants to be clear. The church supports, like, the, the church wants the actual equality and elevation of women, and it supports and believes in those things. But kind of like a lot of the other issues that we've seen come up, like medical marijuana in Utah or sometimes gay rights type things. Um, a lot of it, the church gets caught up in the very specific language. Like they'll say, we love, we're okay with the idea behind this, but this language is either too narrow or it could be interpreted too broadly in certain areas. So we're uncomfortable with it. And it seems that that's also a lot of the churches passed with the ERA. Like if the ERA were to be yeah. rewritten, which it won't, to be a lot clearer about stuff, to assuage any fears from religious groups, then perhaps they'd be on board. But as it stands now, no dice. Hmm. Yeah, this is kind of one I think I wish the church would maybe just bow out on, and we shall see where it goes. There we go. Um, would we, while we're on the uh, political um, little conversation here, do we want to talk about the Fairness for All Act? Uh, it's probably a good time for that, yeah. Alrighty. Um, I'm going to give this one to you. Can you start this one off for us? Okay. There's an act called the Fairness for All Act. Oh, gosh. Is that all the intro you're going to give me? Now no, i got to look so, it up again. <laughs> so by way of context, uh, the church... So what happened was Utah has had uh, years ago passed legislation to try to have kind of a compromise of the battle between LGBT rights and religious rights. And this is why today many say like, you know, your religious freedom, quote unquote, is just a way to hide behind your discrimination, more or less. And there's, that's gone back and forth. It's hard to find a middle ground in these areas, right? Because you want to say to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, like you have, you should have all the protections in the world, right? You're a human being and a citizen of the country or a whatever. You know, you, you should be protected under the law. But then if someone says, but I'm not comfortable baking a cake for a gay couple, uh. which is... I don't think you should be uncomfortable baking a cake for a gay couple, but if you don't, from a religious standpoint, don't believe in trying to perpetuate an unholy union, you can understand why this gets into a a very difficult legal place where there's no perfect answer. So the church has tried 
to uh, get behind legislation in Utah that preserves freedom of religion in some of those areas, but truly protects LGBT people from discrimination. Now, nationally, one Chris Stewart, another representative from Utah, not a former Democrat, I might add, um, introduced a bill called the Fairness for All Act that is supposed to be a, it's a broader version of it for federal law. Um, What's interesting about this, of course, is that earlier in the year, uh, the United States House passed the Equality Act, which firmly stated, like unequivocally, that let's see if I can find the term for it. The equality, yeah. yeah, it was more comprehensive on this issue, well, and the was, Fairness for All Act just seems like a step kind of backwards. It depends on how you want to look at it. I would say the sure, equality, maybe the, maybe not backwards, but like more open to like as you say the religious freedom arguments. It, it tried it. to have more more carve outs, yeah. Whereas the yeah. Equality Act tried to be a blanket like. This is this, all right? So like five Republicans. If they want a cake, you got to bake the cake. Yeah, the the Equality Act would make anti-LGBT discrimination a form of sex discrimination under the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and clarify the Religious Freedom Restoration Act can't be justified for discrimination. Okay? So like you said, bake the cake more or less, right? Um the Fairness for All Act is still about protecting the LGBT population. But it would have those accommodations for religious organizations or small business vendors who are uncomfortable uh, with this and that. The Fairness for All Act would prohibit anti would prohibit discrimination in employment, housing, jury selection, credit, federal programs, and public accommodations. Okay, but it would also preserve the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and protect the tax exempt status of religious colleges and universities that oppose same sex marriage, such as one Brigham Young University. Hmm. Subtle. Interesting, right? Interesting. Uh, so a lot of civil rights groups have come out against the Fairness for All Act, saying it's just it's not fairness for all, like it's still discrimination by another name. Who knows where this will go, because it's been brought up by a Republican in the House, so it, it probably won't even get out of committee. I don't see why it would in a Democratic-controlled House of Representatives. Uh, but this is the way our system of government in the United States works. You draft bills and you present them and... You see so what then, sticks. So then why do you think the church is speaking out this early to say, yes, we support this? I think because it was basically behind the Utah one. And so the fact that the authors of this, the sponsors, made an appearance and spoke about the bill and the church decided to say, yep, we're good with this. You should do it. Why wouldn't we, right? We're uh... Okay. So it's, well. it's, uh, it's, it's such a tough area. I, you know, I don't know how you make everyone happy. I don't know either. Feels I'm, a little cringy. I, mean, I feel like you should bake at, the cake, people. At the same time, I feel like if you were getting a, if you were looking to have a cake baked, and you knew that a that a a place of business was not friendly to the gay population, why wouldn't you just look elsewhere? I'm not saying that's an excuse to discriminate, but at the same time. Why wouldn't you want to go? Why wouldn't you want to give your business to a place that you know supports you in the first place? Well, first, I mean, you may not necessarily know immediately. Like, I'm sure true. there's that's not true. like a sign out the front of like "gays go away" kind of a thing. Like, or at least you'd certainly hope not. Um, but I imagine a lot of this has come up because people have just genuinely believed that they would be accepted to whatever business that they go into because, you know, their money's as good as anybody else's and then perhaps been confronted by such discrimination. And that would come as a surprise. So 
Yeah. So it'll be curious to see if this goes anywhere. I mean, one thing we forget, I think, a lot of the time in the current political climate is that compromise is like should be a reality. But you compromise in areas of funding for certain programs and this and that. Like, do you compromise on the legal standing of a certain set of your population based on factors out of its control? Yeah. That's where it gets dicier. So I don't yeah. know if anything will come with this, but uh, well, we'll have to see. On a similar note with um, LGBT issues, um, the church has now come out in support of banning the conversion therapy, which was, um, it wasn't necessarily a bill. I believe it was like a policy change within um, the psychologists, um, not not union, association, thank you is the word I'm looking for, um, for that to be just completely prohibited in Utah. So they were initially, again, against some of the wording, didn't feel like it was um, quite right. And now they've decided, yep, it's good to go. We're happy to move forward with this. So uh, we uh, win some, we lose some, I well, think. And that's a good example, just like the ERA. But in this case, the church said the language is clearer now so that we are comfortable with it. I think you and I, I think it was you and I doing a show that spoke about this a couple months ago. When- yeah, the first time when they were like, no, nope, it's not good enough, whatever. Yeah. We've made some progress. Here it is now. Well, this is good. So if we're opposing yeah. conversion therapy, it's good. Um, where will I take it now? Real quick, the render some renderings were released for the uh, the new the uh, the Salt Lake Temple, right? The Salt Lake City Temple. Sorry, the Salt Lake Temple. No, Salt Lake Utah Temple is going to close here at the end of the month. No, you laugh, but the Salt Lake Temple is the only temple in the church that doesn't have the additional place name on it so so like you know you you can go the mesa arizona temple the kansas city missouri temple you can go to the jordan river utah temple but the salt lake temple is the only one that's just that has no utah in it it's just the salt lake temple that's it it's special who knew so if you've been following the news you know it's going to close here at the end of the month for a mega 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 project um they're going to basically dig, dig up the entire annex area, rethink the whole thing. They're going to do seismic retrofitting. That's going to involve digging all the way down to the foundations of the temple. It's a big deal. Uh, so they've re- released a couple of renderings of what it's going to look like when it's done. Now, to my untrained eye, I've only been in through the Salt Lake Temple a couple times I've done sessions there. Um, you don't see much. I look at this and say, okay, well, they're, they're preserving it. You know, it looks like an old temple. With old buildings and things like that, right? And old structures and yeehaw. Uh, so I appreciate some of our Facebook followers, especially you, Corey Ward. You get a shout out this week because you like you knew Corey. He said the chairs in the creation room will now face south instead of east. There's an improved ramp for wheelchair access. The platforms behind the curtains are closer to the floor. They lowered them down. The wood features in the garden and world room are colored with natural browns instead of white. All rooms have improved lightings and speakers in the ceilings. All rooms will also have an inconspicuous opening where white uh, white, white movie screens can drop down. Wow, Corey, this is so specific. That last one's a big deal, though, because there are no screens in the Sully Temple because they do live sessions there. And they haven't fully specified what it means, but they've essentially intimated that live sessions are pr- language prohibitive, right? Salt Lake City has a more diverse True. mix of members of the church now. 
and it's a temple that only does live sessions in, in English. I don't think they do any in Spanish, as far as I know. I might be wrong on that, and I admit it up front if I am. Uh, so I think they're doing this so they'll still do live sessions, but if they want to do different language sessions, they can drop the screen down. And uh, so I, I like that they're keeping some of the the nature of it. They're not gutting it and making it look all modern on the inside or anything None like that. None of this modern nonsense. We do have one commenter that says, oh, and it'll look like a Victorian museum instead of reflecting the 21st century church. Yes. Uh, I love our Facebook followers so much. Yeah, I'm like, people, I think this is good. This is an important historical building. Sure, we have to update some things to make it a functional modern structure, but keep it I mean, those floorboards that were white, they had to go back to natural brown. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Oh, dear. And other uh, temple-y news. The groundbreaking happened for the Puebla Temple. I love this temple so much. Do you? Look at the design of it. I just love this temple. Oh, I was like, is there something specific? Nope. Just looks cool. Oh, okay. Just looks cool. We're up for cool temples. I'm up for that. Um, And in other churchy news, we shared, well, not we, sorry, the church shared a Washington Post article, which Jeff feels like is a big deal. Uh, but the article was about how... <laughs> um, uh, what was the article about, Jeff? Oh, it was about refugees and how um, I think the headline was something like Trump has said that or has basically given responsibility to the states to refuse refugees. And oh, Utah yeah. is like, we want them all. And so we're all for sharing the good press. Well, if you missed it, I mean, Governor Gary Herbert of Utah wrote a letter to Trump saying, like, we don't think this... This is a misguided policy to be so against immigrants. Like, we welcome them in Utah. It was a very compassionate, thoughtful letter. So, all is not lost, folks. We haven't all drunk the Kool Aid yet. Good job. And speaking of that, the first first presidency issued a new statement about refugees where they said, as members of the church, we are deeply committed to living the two great commandments to love God and love our neighbor. We feel tremendous joy in helping all of God's children, no matter where they may live in this world. It is therefore with great concern and compassion that we observe the plight of more than 70 million people around the world who have fled their homes, seeking relief from violence, war, or religious persecution. We encourage members and friends to respond appropriately and legally to help create welcoming communities by volunteering their time, talents, and friendship to individuals and families who are integrating into our societies. So... Good job, church. I'm sure there are people who are going to see that part that says and legally and use that as an excuse to be a bigot, but I encourage you not to. Be nice. Oh, well, now that you've brought it up, they will. Okay. So there was. <laughs> I give everyone all the good was, ideas. <laughs> there was a dynamite scare at a local DI. This isn't even I'm worth sorry. it at this point, Josie. Okay. It, it is. It is because it's so strange to me that, well, some guy called in and said, hey, my brother just donated dynamite to your di and uh, <laughs> only in what was this was Layton? you're getting a temple Layton. this is not how you uh, act <laughs> can't deal with this story um my favorite part uh, is actually it's too hard to pick at this point but the police come in they bring their sniffer dogs and also apparently they brought in a sniffer canine from the church I didn't, did you follow, did you get this? I don't know. I didn't know we had sniffer dogs. Utah's a different world. Who knows? They they mentioned it twice that they brought (laughs) in their own police dog 
and the church's sniffer dog. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Maybe just because, I don't know, one has more of a testimony than the other. Who knows right. what that is about? Anyways, no dynamite, even though everyone went home. Someone just wanted an early mark from work, let's be honest. Um, I got nothing more on that one. It's a terrible story. It's an awesome story. <laughs> do you want to talk about Jana Reese not having a testimony uh, of tithing? Or do you want to skip? Oh, uh, no, we could do a quick one. Basically, she paid her tithing and said, I don't mind feeling accountable for this with tithing settlement. That's, I think, the entire genesis of this article oh, yeah, is not, that it's, it's near that tithing settlement time. But says as well that, oh, but I would feel better about this if basically there was more transparency in the church and how we used to um, get the church's financial reports when did they stop? Something like 1959? 1959, yep. Yeah, and um, and now we just don't know and wouldn't it be so much easier to feel good about paying your tithing if you knew all of the good places that your donations were going but the church often does talk about the places where it donates money she thinks that the church at this point doesn't want to release its finances because it would be in like embarrassing at how wealthy for how wealthy the church is that it would show that we're rich 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 and we're not doing enough i mean it could. I don't know. I'm curious just for curiosity's sake. I'd love to know. Um, but sure. uh, yeah, I got nothing more on that. I mean, I think the whole thing is she's trying to say, like, this doesn't affect my testimony, but like. Sometimes like Jana Reese just has to find <laughs> something to complain about for the week. Something to gripe about. But I do know that genuinely there are lots of people who feel very conflicted about, like, I would you know, they would like to know where their tithing is yeah, actually sure. going. Um, I, would, I think it would just be interesting to like have a little pie chart, you know, that comes back from like your tithing settlement of like, this is literally where all your tithing went to. I would love to see that. But that's just because like, surely you would appreciate that, Jeff. I feel like you would publish yours on the website every year. It would be like, fun. This right? is where our tithing is going to. Yeah, we love a good graph. I would enjoy it. I've, the metric side of me would love it. But I also recognize that even though we feel like we are shareholders in the church, we're not because doctrinally it is God's money, not ours. And so that's that, you know. Sure, we're not sure. vo- we're not voting of bo- we're not a board or anything here. We're not stockholders. They should have a shareholder meeting though. That'd be hilarious. D- that would be entertaining. Let's face it, nobody I mean, pays like- attention to the Saturday mor- afternoon session of conference anyway. So let's just devote that <laughs> to being a shareholder meeting. Oh, that's my idea. But More ideas of mine will have to come at another time. My dear friends, because the time is far spent, as the good book says, it's time for us to close and end this wonderful week in Latter-day Saint relevant news. We hope it's been fruitful for you, and we thank you for taking the time to join us. If you would, join us on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash This Week in Mormons, where you can donate a buck a month to help us. And this website's getting less or more expensive to run. I've, I wanted to do a major shout out to some of you. I mentioned this recently, and some of you opened up very generously. And seriously, that is very kind of you and above and beyond what I would expect of anybody. So very, thank you to those of you who have. And, and, you know, a buck a month is all I'm asking. Otherwise, go to facebook.com slash thisweekinmormons. Find us on Twitter. Find us on thisweekinmormons.com itself. And if you have a comment about this episode, for me, for Josie, whatever, Contact at thisweekinmormons.com and I will respond. Perhaps cruelly, but I will respond. Anywho, Josie, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a delightful Christmas if we don't hear from you. 
And Same to you. All your wildest dreams come true. They always do. Have a wonderful Christmas season, everybody. We will uh, talk to you again next week on another edition of This Week in Mormons. Be well, be holy, and